going to be looking at the first three verses, this great gospel invitation. But I'm going to read the entire chapter. Isaiah 55, let's give our attention to God's word. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my ways, uh, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it spring, bring forth and sprout, Giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's ask the Lord to bless uh, his word as we open it tonight. Just, uh, I forgot to pray for Eric's mother, and so we'll be doing that as well. Let's, let's pray together. God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you give us your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that it is life and health and peace for us. And we ask, Lord, you'd bless us now as we open it. Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit, that beautiful poured out Holy Spirit, would speak uh, in, in words loud and clear. And that, Lord, we would have ears, that we would incline our ear to listen and eat what is good, that our soul will delight in the richest affair. Father, we pray for Eric's mother, uh, who's in the hospital right now and waiting for surgery uh, tomorrow. We ask, Lord, for a peace for her and wisdom and uh, for the doctors, and Lord, we pray for, for healing for her. Uh, it's hard to be so far away uh, for Eric and Viviani, and we just pray that you'd give them peace as well as we lift uh, this loved one up to you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. The uh, title of my message tonight is A Gospel Invitation for Christians. Isaiah 55, uh, of course, is one of the great invitation passages of the Bible. 
And uh, as I was studying this again this week, I realized that I've tended to misread this text. I've, I've read Isaiah 55 uh, without really thinking about it as a, an invitation uh, for lost people. Uh, it's, it's an evangelism text is sort of how I've come to it. An invitation for people out there who need Jesus. Uh, but uh, the, the fact is, we're going to see tonight, is that Isaiah 55 is uh, written for the church. It's written for God's people. It's written for the thirsty, um, hungry, confused, bewildered, uh, shamed people right in the uh, presence of the Lord, uh, those who belong to God. Uh, this is a gospel invitation for Christians. And so that's what we'll be looking for uh, tonight. Uh, back in my misspent youth, I remember listening to James Taylor, and he had a song um, entitled The Walking Man. Maybe you've heard uh, The Walking Man. And um, the first line is, moving in silent desperation, keeping his eye on the Holy Land. And um, I don't know if you ever read the lyrics list of the song. I'm not quite sure. I don't think anybody really knows what James Taylor's after in that, in that song. But the first line is pretty apt. Uh, it often describes Christians uh, moving in silent desperation with their eye on the Holy Land, but, but um, there's a quiet desperation going on in, in, in their heart as they're walking this pilgrim journey. A few years ago, I read a book by a man named Aaron Stern. He's a pastor down in Colorado Springs. He uh, was pastoring a large um, college group. That, that's now a, a fully-fledged church. But um, he preached a series of sermons on the importance of confession, and coming out of our sh shadows. He wrote a book called, uh, What is Your Secret? What's Your Secret? And uh, after giving this, um, this sermon series, he invited people to share their secret with, with, uh, with him or with others uh, that they could confess their sins and, and be healed. A while later, he received an email from a young woman named Hillary, and she wrote this, I have a secret, and I've been struggling with it for two years now. And I now know that I can't keep on living my life like this. It has to stop. I've prayed over and over to God that he would help me eliminate this part of my life. And after many failed attempts at stopping, I just wind up frustrated with all hope lost of ever completely being freed. This secret has got me bound up in chains. I've asked God to change my heart so I wouldn't dwell on this anymore, but it's still a huge part of my life and takes up so much of my thoughts. And I guess I'm telling you this because I don't know what else to do. I desperately want to stop, but trying myself has gotten me nowhere, and I'm losing hope. I'm really struggling with how God is viewing this and how he sees me and what he thinks of me living like this. It's weird because on the outside, I put off this joyful vibe, and people tell me that I'm such a joyful person, but on the inside, I'm dying. That's quiet desperation. And I don't think you need to be a Christian that long to have had those experiences. Experiences of feeling a bit lost and depressed and hopeless, maybe as you're fighting a besetting sin, maybe there's just a lingering melancholy of your soul and you can't quite put your finger on it, but uh, you just don't seem to be experiencing the joy and the peace that the scripture talks about. Some of you are, are just desperately tired. Uh, there's been conflict in your life and it's worn you down. Some of you are deeply grieving. And uh, so often we can come to church and smile and we'll say we're doing fine, but uh, if people could see inside, they would see a life of quiet desperation. And so the, the, the message tonight is, is for uh, people like that, people like us, 
God says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. It's a gospel invitation for Christians. Uh, when you, uh, it's important to read Isaiah 55 in its context to, in order to really understand it. it. It doesn't just drop out of the sky. Uh, it's part of a, a narrative. Uh, if you read the book of Isaiah, you'll see Isaiah very early on, chapter 1. Uh, he's a prophet sent by God to Israel to rebuke them uh, because of uh, their covenant violations. Uh, they're still going through all the religious rituals. If you read chapter 1, you know, God says, these people, they worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Who asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? It's all formalism. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. There's not heart engagement with God. And, and you'll find as you read through the, the, the letter that, that um, they're, they're, they're making alliances with pagan nations. Um, they're, they're, they're treating God sort of like a talisman, a good luck talisman, that uh, surely nothing bad will happen to them as long as the temple is there and as long as they can appeal uh, to that. And Isaiah is sent by God to tell them that their covenant God is uh, going to discipline them because of their sin and is going to send them actually into captivity. It's a very hard message. But the wonder of the book of Isaiah is that, that that's not the primary message. That's not the end of the story. That, that woven throughout Isaiah's prophecy of the discipline and the anger of God against them for their sin, there's woven these wonderful reminders of the grace of God, that God is not going to let them go. Way back you'll find in chapter 9 this promise of one who's going to come, a wonderful counselor and mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. As you read through, you'll hear these, these, um, these references to people are going to draw water with, um, with joy from the well of salvation. Uh, then in chapter 40, it becomes explicit. Comfort, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak ye tenderly to Jerusalem and, and say to her that her, her iniquity is pardoned. Her warfare is accomplished. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Where their sin abounds, his grace abounds all the more. That God is, he's not going to let them go. They've sinned grievously, but he's not going to, he's not going to abandon them, even though he disciplines he will remember them in love and provide a way for their sin to be pardoned. And then you, you read about that way in, in Isaiah chapter 53, where we have that wonderful text about the suffering servant, the man of sorrow acquainted with grief, the one who would come bearing our griefs, carrying our sorrows, be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. It was the Father's will, the Father's joy to, to crush him bearing our sin. His chastisement would bring them peace, and by his wounds they would be healed. That's chapter 53. And then chapter 54 continues. God saying, I'll be a husband to you. The, the Lord, your maker, is your husband, and your shame is going to be removed. And all that good gospel news is, is what we have in, in, in chapters 53 and, and 54. And, and following all that good gospel news, God now in chapter 55 invites his people to come. Come and drink. Come and, and lay hold of all that God has accomplished for them and, and for us. Come and, and find comfort for your grief and pardon for your guilt and redemption for your shame. That's the invitation that God has for you, for me tonight. The invitation we find in verse 1, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I wish the ESV was a little more literal here. The old King James uh, has it, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. And, and that ho is actually there in the Hebrew. 
And it's, it's a word of urgency. It's meant to grab our attention. Uh, it, it means that God has a great desire that, he, that we hear him on this, that we, that we hear the invitation. And it's an urgency, you see, born of, of, of covenant love. Imagine a, a firefighter urging a young child uh, to, to jump from the window of the, of the burning building and, and promising him that he'll catch him. That's the urgency. Now imagine the firefighter is the father of that child. And that's the urgency that God wants us to hear as he uh, speaks these words, this this urgency of of God, our covenant God, calling to his children, ho, everyone who thirsteth, come, everyone who's thirsty. Are you thirsty for God? I hope you are. If we're spiritually awake, we have a sense that we're made for so much more. And throughout Scripture, we find that thirst is, is often used to, to depict that soul hunger for God. For instance, in Psalm 63, verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. You know what it feels like to be thirsty for God? Maybe you know your theology, you know your doctrines, you, you, you know Christian practices. But, but that doesn't seem to fix it. That doesn't seem to, to give satisfaction. If, if you're honest with yourself, your life really doesn't know deep peace and joy and confidence in God and enthusiasm for, for his purposes for your life. Instead, you feel, you feel weary and dry, lost maybe. Maybe that you feel that God is absent. Life will do that to you. Thirsty people have seen dreams die and hopes languish and hearts broken. And there's a deep unsettling in their soul. They, tears will well up in the secret hours of the night as they grieve the loss of intimacy and hope and joy in God they once knew. Thirsty people see what they are and they mourn what they're not and they wonder where God has gone and how come he doesn't answer. And maybe they've lost their expectation. I think a lot of Christians sometimes um, just don't expect much from God in light of their, their weakness, in light of their sin, in light of their experiences. They settle for little things. But it doesn't satisfy the thirst. And God says to his people, his thirsty people, come to the water. And actually, there's a, there's a whole buffet of gospel beverages, uh, if you've paid attention to the text here. There's water, and there's wine, and there's milk. Come to the waters. Uh, throughout Scripture, water is a reference to uh, refreshment, life-giving refreshment and, and restoration. Uh, it, it often refers to the being in the presence of God, that, that uh, Psalm 37, 36, verse 9, with you is the fountain of life. Uh, verse 8, uh, you give them to drink from your river of delights, that, that God is a fountain of life, and as we come into his presence, we can drink and drink and find satisfaction uh, for our soul with the presence of God. And notice it's not a, a, an invitation just to the water, singular, but the water's plural. 
Uh, This is not just come and have a a sip or or drink from a cup. This is come to Lake Michigan. After you've been walking through the the Saudi wilderness and desert, the Negev of, of, of Israel maybe. And you're so parched, you think you're going to die, and you stumble over the last dune, and there's this whole lake of fresh water as far as the eye can see. That's the waters. And limitless, boundless supply of gospel goodness, God's presence for you in Jesus Christ. Come to the waters and and drink wine. Wine is the beverage of joy. Gladdens the heart of man. It's, it's the beverage for celebration and feasting and fellowship and gladness. Are you thirsty for joy? Genuine joy in God? A, a gladness in God? God the Father invites you to take up the cup of salvation and to drink the gospel wine of joy, knowing that your sin is all forgiven, knowing that God is for you in Jesus Christ and nothing can separate you from his love, knowing that you are an heir of riches so incredible your mind is not able to conceive of it. Drink the wine of gospel joy and drink the milk that God has for you in his word. The milk is the miracle food of life. It, it nourishes little bodies. It's packed with proteins and nutrients. It's necessary for growth and strength. And God invites us to, to drink this milk so that our anemic, sin-sick souls can be strengthened. And our lives that are stunted by pride and shriveled with selfishness can, can flourish and thrive and bear fruit as we drink this health-restoring milk of God's truth and grace. And so we have God inviting us to water and wine and milk, all the refreshments we could possibly want or need in the gospel of God. Come where the fountain flows, river of life, healing for all thy woes, doubting and strife. Millions have been supplied. No one was air denied. So come. Come to the crimson tide. Come, sinner. Come. Well, what does it cost? Well, the repeated emphasis here is that it doesn't cost anything. He who has no money... Come buy and eat. Uh, Buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's the invitation. He who has nothing to offer, nothing to buy it with, those are the only people who receive it. You see, the the, the truth of the gospel is that the people who, who try to work for it, try to gain it, will find that it's not possible. And God reminds us it's not possible because he wants to remove every obstacle and barrier to our coming and actually drinking and feasting. And our, our, our legalistic souls will, will fight us on this. Your, your soul will say, I mean, seriously? You expect to go to God and just ask? Certainly there's something you must do. I mean, look at what you've just done. You need to make some promises. You need to, you need to take some efforts. You need, to, uh, you need to contribute something. You need to you know, promise to try harder. How many of you didn't say to yourself just this past week in some way, 
I just need to try harder. How's that going? Some of us have been trying harder our entire life. Trying harder will never bring us the water of God's presence or the wine of his favor or the soul-sustaining milk of his truth and grace because the blessings can only be had for free. They can only be had when we come bankrupt and receive them. And the good news of the gospel is that God isn't asking you to try harder. He's not asking you to, to make more promises, to um, start out new endeavors. What he's asking you to do, what he, he's inviting us to do, is to come and receive his water and his wine and his milk for free. And that means that there's nothing standing in the way of you doing precisely that tonight. There's nothing to be done before receiving these gifts. Nothing to be accomplished beforehand. And so if, if you have a soul thirst for God tonight, then this invitation uh, reminds you and tells you tonight that you can have these things immediately. Simply need to receive it. But God has a question for us in verse 2. It's a, it's a sobering question. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Uh, questions are often God's most effective methods of bringing us to our senses. And so he says to Adam, Adam, where are you? Not because God doesn't know where Adam is. Adam doesn't know where Adam is. He says to Cain, where's your brother? That's an exposing question. He says to Elijah, what are you doing here? It's a great question. As Elijah's hiding in fear. You see, these questions are loving invitations for us to face ourselves. And God here says, why? Why do you work so hard for what is not bread? Why do you spend your labor for that which does not satisfy? God acknowledges that, that we're working very hard. I mean, we are nothing if not busy. It's the banner of our life, busy. But, but God stands, in a sense, on the side, and he looks at, at our life, and, and he says, well, why, why are you doing that? Imagine seeing a man um, trying to open a door, and he's, and, he's, and he's pulling on the knob with all of his might, and he's trying to get his fingers into the wedge, and he, maybe he's got some instrument where he's trying to, to, to get it in there and to wedge it open, and, uh, and maybe he tries to kick it in, and there's a, there's a key hanging on a, on a nail right, right by the, the door. And, and you say to him, are you trying to get in? He says, yes, I'm like desperate. I need to get in. Um, well, why, why don't you just use the key? And that's exactly what God says. Why, why are you doing what you're doing? There's a key. And that opens the door to everything that your soul could want, everything your, your, your soul could need. It, it, it's, it's right there. It's available. Just, just use the key. Why do you spend your labor for that which is not bread? Why do you, why do you labor for that which doesn't satisfy? And, uh, and, and there's no answer for it, is there? I mean, how are you going to answer that question? It's just the mystery of sin. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I keep going back to my broken cisterns. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. I cannot figure it out. 
I don't know why I'm so slow to go and drink of gospel grace and and to refresh myself with the promises that are there in Scripture. I know they're there. I know actually that if I would go there and and, and read them and and take them to myself and believe them, that I'd be comforted. So so why don't I go? Why don't I make that the the thing that I, I, I do over and over and over again throughout a day? I don't know. Pride, stupidity, foolishness. I don't know. But God asked the question because he wants us to wrestle with the foolishness of it. Why would we labor for what doesn't satisfy when all the things that we need are given freely as a gift? It's a very gentle way of exposing us and inviting us. God's not trying to shame us. He's not trying to rebuke us. It's a loving parent Saying, why, why do you do this? Come, come. Stop, stop spending your labor on, on what doesn't give bread. But, but come, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Isn't that a wonderful invitation? Three commands. Listen, eat, and delight. That's how we receive gospel water and milk and wine. Listen to me. In other words, God wants you to know that he's speaking to you. He's talking. God is talking through his word and he's talking to you. And he's saying very specifically, incline your ear. Listen We have all sorts of voices in our life, politicians and commentators and entertainers and advertisers and friends and co-workers and parents and our own stubborn will and, and foolish heart and none of those voices can give life. And so God says, listen to me. Listen to the voice of God. Incline your ear to the voice of God. Some of you have heard the words of God. You know the words of the Bible, but it's never sounded like a voice. God is speaking in his word by his spirit to you tonight. And God says, listen to me. Hear that your soul may live. Hear that your soul may live. And if, you, if we don't hear, it means that our, our, our soul will go on in deadness and, and death. Listen to me. And then God says, eat what is good. So it's not enough simply to hear. To hear the voice of God means then we need to respond to that voice. It, it, it's not enough to draw near and smell the life-giving bread. You have to take the bread and you've got to break off a big chunk and then you need to eat that bread. Eat what is good. Eat the truth of the love of God who gave his only son that, that no one should perish. Whatever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Eat the truth of of God's compassion and mercy and grace and and his power to redeem you, his willingness to save you. We have to eat verses like Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And Romans 1 verse 6 that says that we've been called to belong to Jesus. And Hebrews 7.25 that says that he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. 
Those, those texts have got to become, they got to stand up right from the pages of your Bible so that you, you see them and you hear them and you take them and you eat them. You, you take them for yourself. Eat what is good. Take that truth for your life, for your sin. That God has not destined us for wrath, but he's destined us to be heirs with Jesus Christ. We need, to, we, need to, we need to take these truths and, and eat these truths and delight in the rich food. Delight yourselves in rich food. The word rich means literally fatness. God wants you to be fat on gospel truth. To stuff yourself with great joy, with all of his goodness to us in Jesus Christ. So often, right, there's a, I can't remember how it goes, but it's something like I want, I'd like 10 cents of gospel, please. Right, just, just a little bit. Just give me just a little bit to make me feel a little bit better for today and try to get me through the night. Just 10 cents. Don't, don't give me the whole thing. Don't, don't, I don't, I don't want to be flooded by it. I don't want to be swept away by it so that I become ravished with joy. That become one of those crazy people who just can't stop talking about it. Let's just keep it safe and keep it nice. And, and God just says, no, be done with all that. Forget about being a, a, you know, a, a good, sober Christian person. Stuff yourself so that it's running down your face with, with gospel truth. All that God is for you in Jesus Christ. Take every bit of it. His victory over death. His atoning, uh, his atoning blood. His love that will never ever let you go. Take all of it. And take it to yourself and delight in it. Satiate yourself with his abundant kindness and overwhelming Riches in Jesus. How do you do that? I, I, I recommend listening to good sermons. Uh, get a good devotional. If that helps, there's, there's some great devotionals out there. If you, if you need to, just start asking questions. Ask people what they're using. One of my favorites is William Mason, A Spiritual Treasury for the Children of God. You see, friends, this is an invitation that God is speaking to us. And it's meant to be responded to. No matter what you have done or have failed to do, this is a gospel invitation for you. God is calling you, inviting you to come and eat and drink and live. And he invites us again and again and again. The last word of scripture is an invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come, Revelation 22. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let him drink. Whoever desires, take the water of life without price. It's the same invitation. It's the same call. Are you thirsty for the presence of God? Are you thirsty for the joy of the Lord? I hope you are. And God has a word for you, an invitation for you. Come. Come to the waters. Buy, drink, eat, and let your soul be satisfied with the richest of food. May God grant it. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh God, our Father in heaven, we, we acknowledge, Lord, that we are foolish people. That we ignore the thirst of our soul or stubbornly refuse to go where 
that that thirst could be quenched. And so we're sad and tempted. We're stuck in our sin. Maybe stuck in our self-pity. Stuck in, Lord, doubt and fear and unbelief. And all the while, God, you are inviting us to come to eat, drink. And you promise that everyone who comes, Lord, will be satisfied as we receive what you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight you know our hearts. Lord, it is possible some here tonight have never actually come to this banquet table. And so, Lord, I pray that if that is true, that tonight they could hear the voice of God calling them and that they would respond as a desperate sinner who is hungry for Christ and for life. And that they would, Lord, come in faith and drink and find it to be all true. Lord, I pray for those who are Christians for many years and maybe we become cynical. And we doubt there's joy for us. We don't, we're not sure, Lord, that this really applies in the face of all of our weakness and and sin and uh, what poor Christians we are. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for our cynicism and that we, Lord, tonight would have the ability to believe that you, Lord, invite us to know you, to taste your presence, to drink the wine of gospel gladness, to satiate ourselves with all the truth that is ours in Christ. And Lord, I pray we'd be people then who share this wonderful banquet with others and invite them to come. Lord, uh, I thank you that your word tonight is your word. It's your voice. And I pray, oh God, that your spirit would then give us the grace to receive it deeply. And may we move to lay hold of these precious truths and treasures in Jesus Christ and rebuke our unbelief and come to this feast that you've given to us in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We respond with a hymn from the hymn book, Come for the feast is spread, hark to the call. Come for the feast is spread. Let's stand together and we'll sing.
If the Lord has spoken to you tonight and you uh, would like to talk with someone um, about uh, the Word of God, the invitation that you've heard and how you uh, could respond to that, I just invite you after the service to come and find me. We also have uh, some counselors here who would be happy to uh, just talk to you and pray with you. Um, this is a genuine invitation from the living God that he invites you to take. And if you'd like to do that in a very particular way tonight, we'd love to have you do that. Now receive the blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now until he comes again. Amen.